What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of our Winning Women podcast. Guys, I'm so excited about today's episode because last week, Christine Butterfield and I talked a lot about basketball and March Madness and the NCAA, and that's exactly what we're going to do again this week. But fear not, we are joined by an incredible guest, someone that I have really been looking forward to having on this podcast, and someone that I think is going to have some great insight on collegiate basketball and March Madness in general. We have Diana Omozi joining us today. She played uh, women's basketball at Oklahoma State University from 2013 to 2017. And she was there the same time I was there. So I'm just so pumped to have this woman on. So Diana, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, no problem. No, we're so excited to have you on. Christine and I actually did a podcast last week and we talked a lot about March Madness. We talked about both men's and women's basketball going through March Madness right now. It's been so exciting just to see these young athletes really uh, prosper and make it so far in this tournament. And it's always an exciting time Uh, especially since we got robbed of it last year because of COVID. So it's extra special. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been pretty interesting, but I'm glad that the athletes get to showcase their talents. Yes. Yeah, especially since I feel like this season for the the women especially has been really special. I think they're – I think – I don't want to, you know, like if you want to talk about the past um, situation, you're more than welcome. Madison and I have kind of already gone in depth about – you know, the injustice of the weight room situation. But I think kind of on the plus side of that, because they went through that situation, more eyes are on them this year because they're been more of a part of the conversation than they ever have. And I don't know if you got to catch any of the games at all, but the last game between Baylor and UConn for the Elite Eight, that was just amazing. (laughs) Did you see any of that? So good. Yes, that was one of the best games I've ever watched. There's a couple up there for me, but Baylor versus UConn 2021, definitely top five. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I was just watching it like these girls are insane. And I'm just so happy that they're like, you know, getting all the attention that they deserve because that was just such a wild game. And everyone was saying, oh, this should have been a final four game. That should have been a championship game. So I I just wanted to hear what, what you thought about all that. I was actually surprised whenever the seeding came out and Baylor wasn't a one seed. I was pretty mm-hmm. shocked. I mean, I understand like with COVID and teams mi- teams missing games and all that stuff, it makes sense. But at the end of the day, it's like it's Baylor. Uh, they're a powerhouse. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna put them in in a in a two seed, don't put them with UConn. Like, give us a chance to watch them in the championship game. Um, so. I was pretty bummed that they weren't a one seed and that we had to watch that game so early, but it was amazing seeing like LeBron tweet about it. KD tweeting about the Texas game, like a lot of men's basketball players really, you know, shouting out the women's game. And I think it's been really exciting, especially this year. Oh yeah, for sure. This year. I like, I, I seriously, I've started to really enjoy um, just all the hype that's coming around this season's March madness because kind of what we said earlier, it didn't happen last year. Everyone was super bummed about it. And I feel like it just makes it that much more special this year. And then you have um, just different women coming through like uh, Paige. Am I saying this right? Paige Buckers, Bookers, or did I say that right? I think it's Buckers. I always want to say Bukers, but I think it's Buckers. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Buckers, Bukers. Something. Yeah. The girl at UConn. She's been known. Yeah. 
Absolutely fabulous. And that's part of my favorite part about this tournament is you see such young talent emerge and they lead their teams and they showcase this leadership. And it's just so incredible to see what they can accomplish at such a high level. And Diana, I when we were kind of thinking about, you know, who do we want to have on this podcast? Where do we want to carry this conversation? I was thinking about, you know, you played college basketball, you were at Oklahoma State, and you guys went to the Sweet 16 um, in 2014. I got to go with you guys and it was so fun. And so I, I just kind of wanted to hear from your perspective, you know, what your background was leading up to playing college basketball and then your overall experience in Stillwater. So actually my story is kind of interesting just because I didn't start playing basketball until I was older. Um, I didn't start playing until I was in seventh grade. And my entire life, I played soccer and I thought I was going to play college soccer. And that's just what I had in my head. And I liked basketball more, but my parents were like, well, if you don't get a scholarship, you won't be playing basketball. You'll be playing soccer. (laughs) And so (laughs) I ended up getting my first um, Division I scholarship my freshman year of high school. And at that point, I basically just put away my soccer cleats and was like, all right, I'm doing this basketball thing. Um, But my high school actually was one of the top teams in the nation my senior year. I believe we got up to the top five nationally um, in high school rankings. And um, I only lost four basketball games my entire high school career. Lost the last game every single year because I never won state. We always lost in the playoffs. So that was kind of unfortunate. But I was really blessed to have to come from such a really strong um, program that was really rooted in defense and really taught fundamentals. And so the transition from high school to college wasn't as steep for me as it was for some others um, that are, you know, more athletic, but don't really um, have that discipline and don't really have the fundamentals of the game. Um, So I was really lucky and I was really blessed to come from such a great program and I got to play for a a Hall of Fame coach, Nancy Walling. She is a beast down here in Texas. Like everybody knows who Nancy is. She's one of the greatest coaches in high school college, um, high school women's basketball down here in Texas. So I got to play for her and um, it was really interesting seeing her coaching style and then coming to college and seeing how Coach Littell coached because it was pretty similar. Um, so I think I kind of lucked out. I, I had really great coaches my entire basketball career. Diana, I didn't know I was going to relate to you so hard, but I actually grew up trying to decide between soccer and basketball, like pretty much all through middle school and then all like into high school. I kind of went the opposite route for me. I was like, okay, they uh-huh. want to do the soccer thing. But <laughs> what's so interesting about those two sports, because I think a lot of people view them so differently, but what's so great about, I think, doing both of those is that soccer gives you a really good look at how to look at a field and you can take that into your court vision and basketball. So I'm sure that both of those things kind of helped you out, but just going back to your high school experience, I I, I don't mean to like relate this again back to me, but my soccer team in high school, actually, when I was there, we went to state three years in a row and we still, we never got past the state semifinal. So that was the only game that, you know, we would really lose all season. So I can definitely relate to that. Kind of what was it like being in such an incredible program in high school? Because that's not a, you know, a situation that a lot of kids get to live out when they're in high school. It's not very common (laughs) for you to say, oh yeah, like basically every single year in high school, 
we went to state NBD. Yeah. And then you go to college <laughs> because like you said, that really set you up for those tournament like situations where you're going in deep in March Madness. Like you're going in deep in those tournaments in, in uh, high school. So how do you think that that really set you up? And did you really understand at the time the levity of what you were doing in high school? Um, I honestly, man, that's a good question. Um, I don't think that I realized the, the greatness that I was uh, surrounded by until I graduated high school. Um, I did, I did feel like our team felt a tremendous amount of pressure just because historically Pflugerville High School women's basketball was always in state. Um, we had division one players flying all over the country. Um, uh, we had like, we just had a really good program. And so there was a lot of pressure. You didn't want to be the team that you know, lost too early and you didn't want to be the team that let down the entire town. Um, but it was a good pressure. People were super supportive of women's basketball. We used to have sold out games and our boys teams and our girls teams were just as, um, we supported each, each other just as, just as well as I think any program in the area did. And um, so it was a lot of pressure, but it was, nice being in that greatness and I, I don't want to brag but man Nancy Walling is ridiculous uh she played basketball at University of Texas way back in the day I think back when it was half court there was like three oh, defensive gosh. players and three offensive players I'm pretty oh, sure um but she just really knew how to teach the game and so I think that's why we were so successful because um we, uh, we were very deep and we went very far every year. So, yeah. No, that's really awesome. I think you and Christine, like you guys both come from a Texas background and I, so I grew up born and raised in Oklahoma. We didn't have the level of high school athletics that Texas does. And so I've always really admired like hearing stuff about Texas and just how they treat their high school players and how they really do prepare them to go on to do great stuff and just how like you said Diana the town like rallies around it you, you don't want to let your town down let your community down let your teammates down let alone so it's just it, it you're absolutely right it prepares you to take on so many challenges moving forward and I think I love what you said about your coach I think that's awesome and you have every right to brag on her so that's something <laughs> he's super proud of um all these challenges that you speak of and everything that you experienced in high school and how you felt well equipped how do you feel like that prepared you to carry over to a college level basketball and how, how did it feel like when you first entered you know college basketball and did you I don't know come into contact with any challenges from the get-go or was it pretty pretty like smooth sailing going forward um I would say I definitely had challenges. Um, the thing that my high school program really prepared me for was the fitness, the practices, the plays. Um, it wasn't hard for me to learn plays or to keep up with players like Tiffany Bias, who's like one of the fastest people I've ever played with. Um, I was extremely physically fit and I was really knowledgeable about the game. Um, but what my program didn't prepare me for was, um, or one thing that I struggled with personally was um, not being the best player, um, not being the player that got to play 40 minutes a game. That was hard for me. Um, in high school, I, 
I never, we never played the entire game because we were so dominant that we would be up by 40 points at halftime. So then the starters would come out, but in big games and in close games, we were always in and we might play the entire game. And so I was just used to being like the girl, the girl on the team and like um, really being able to carry the burden of scoring. Um, And when I got to college, I was playing behind some All-Americans and it just wasn't going to happen. It didn't matter what I did in practice. Um, I just wasn't going to play. And it was really hard for me because I felt like I was good enough and um, I felt like I do everything. I felt like I did everything right in practice and I deserved a chance to play. But while I did deserve a chance to, you know, really start earning playing time, I had to, I didn't understand at the time that the players ahead of me were leaps and bounds better than me at everything. There wasn't one thing that Brittany Martin did worse than me on the court. Uh, There wasn't one thing that Liz Donahoe did worse than me on the court. Like they were leaps and bounds better than me. And although I had made a lot of progress and I did a lot of things good, it's, the, bet, the better player is going to play. And I didn't understand that at the time. I was really used to everybody getting an opportunity to showcase themselves. And then whoever's playing good that game stays in the game. Um, and so that was the hardest thing for me. I had to really come to grips with myself. And I had a lot of Jesus moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it I would say that was my biggest challenge. But really for the first 13 or 14 months on campus in Stillwater. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I had a soccer coach who used to like her, her main job was to prepare soccer players for playing in college. And she would say like, Oh, you might be like the big dog at your school. But the second you go to college, you are among everyone that's like you. So you are among all of those big dogs. And now you have an even bigger pool of talent that you have to compete with, which at first obviously is probably a little bit of a blow to your confidence because you think like, Oh, I was, I was that person at my school. Now, now who am I? Like, what's my identity here? How am I going to get to be X, Y, and Z? But at the same time, being in such a big pool of talent and athleticism that allows you to be an even better basketball player than you would have been before. And you have such a great opportunity to learn from the people in front of you. And you had some obviously, like you just said, all Americans playing on your team. So, I mean, not just from your freshman year, but being in such a great program like Oklahoma State, what did you learn from the women that you were playing with and even with the women that you were co- that were coaching you? I learned hard work. I learned what hard work actually looks like. I always thought that I was running hard and I always thought that I put up enough shots after practice, but being with people like Tiffany Bias, Rashonda Johnson, uh, Brittany Martin, you learn hard work. Um, they worked hard every day and they put up extra shots and they competed every single day. And I wasn't used to having to do that. And so one thing that they all taught me was how to work hard and how to earn a spot and not just feel entitled to be allowed to play because, you know, you brought me here. You wanted me. Um, and and as a player, you're always like, well, why did you recruit me if you weren't going to play me? But they taught me how to earn my spot and earn the respect that you get from the team when you battle in practice. And so um, 
they that's something that I will always tip my hats off to them for is really teach really teaching me how to work hard. Yeah, I think that's awesome. That's something that's so wonderful that you can take away, especially from any experience, whether it be in college, in high school, or even younger than that. I think that without us even realizing it, sometimes we are learning and growing and evolving as an individual and as a woman, just uh, from different circumstances, from different challenges that are placed in front of us. And the way that we hop over those obstacles really says a lot about our character. And it's not even just obstacles. I think that even in like the greatest times, like in the greatest of wins or in the toughest of losses, I think that so much can come from that. And so through all of these experiences, you were there for four years, played with, you know, different women in and out of the roster, but some of them, of course, were still there. Was there anyone that you looked up to or that you um, not necessarily served as a mentor to you, but maybe someone who just really impacted the way you either carried yourself as a basketball player or carried yourself as a woman? Um, definitely. Uh, I would probably go, I, I have two. So as a basketball player, I really tried to model what Tiffany Bias did, the way she carried herself in interviews, the way she carried herself on campus. I think that she is a tremendous role model for anybody um, because she is just the epitome of class and she holds herself to a very specific standard every single day. And so I really learned how to be a um, college athlete and how to be a respectable college athlete from her. Um, and I would say my mentor, uh, while at Oklahoma State was Coach Gage. Um, she was one of my best friends. She was a coach, of course, first and foremost, but she really fed into me and she really prayed for me and she really cared for me. And um, it was just, I had never had such a co close relationship with a coach before that really genuinely cared about me, cared about my family, cared about my mental health. I never had a coach that really was like, are you doing okay? Like, how, how are things going? And she always took the time to ask me that, especially my first two years when I was really having it hard because I wasn't playing that much. Um, and so Coach Gage definitely was a mentor for me. She always just spoke life over me and really encouraged me. And so um, I definitely consider her a mentor to this day. It's so great that you can still talk about, you know, the people you played with and your coaches as people that are still impacting your lives, because, you know, sometimes you do see old former teammates or people you don't talk to and you, and you wonder what they still got going on, but for you to still kind of be in contact or still have like those words from your former coach in your mind, I think that that's so strong and really speaks to how great of a program Oklahoma state is um, kind of shifting gears a little bit though. We did talk about this a little bit in the beginning, but obviously we've kind of, kind of seen, I think in the forefront for really the first time for the whole public on kind of the gender discrimination between women and men, um, especially in March Madness and how the whole weight room situation was handled. I, You don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but were there any instances that you noticed while in college where you kind of like, oh, wow, like the guys are treated a little bit differently than the women are? Definitely. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's, it's present in really everything. Um, and it's so unfortunate what happened this year at the 
final four. Um, I, I mean, at the NCAA tournament, I could not believe the weight room. Uh, I mean, hotels have regular weight rooms that are better than that. And so that was really shocking for me because um, we never had to deal with that. Like, because we weren't in a bubble and, you know, we were able to go to the hotel weight room and use things like that. But um, little little things such as like the swag bags that you get at the NCAA tournament, like our boy, the boys would send us pictures and videos of what they got. And then we would send them pictures and videos of what we got. And it's not comparable at all. Um, and it's been like that. And I'm just so happy and so thankful that the generation of women's basketball players today have the nerve and have the audacity to speak out and say something like, mm, this is not okay. Because my group of athletes, um, we definitely noticed it and we saw it and we weren't okay with it, but we just were not, we weren't vocal about it. And we would kind of discuss it amongst each other, but we never, we, we never went through social media and tried to gain national attention about it. So I'm very thankful that the women's basketball players are doing what they're doing because that makes it easier for my little sister and that makes it easier for a whole bunch of little girls that are growing up wanting to play college basketball one day. Um, but definitely, even when I was in college, these disparities were present. They, it's not something new at all. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you spoke up on that. And Christine and I had a great conversation about it last week. And I think that it, everything starts with, you know, someone speaking up, someone acting as the catalyst for change. And so I, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think Christine and I can both say that we were appalled to see it. And it's just, it's so disappointing that now still in 2021, this is how things are going. And I mean, it's just, it's frustrating because then, you know, more and more information comes out as time goes on. And it actually ended up being that, you know, there was space to make this happen. The choice was made to not. And so that's mm -hmm. where the disappointment comes in. And so yeah. I think that you're absolutely right that, you know, it's amazing to hear these young basketball players that are in college now just speak up for it. And, you know, they know when they put their voice out there and they put their opinion out there, they're basically putting a target on their back because people are going to ridicule them. People are going to try to silence them and tear them down. But I think it takes just a very certain amount of resiliency and valiance to just say, I don't care. I'm going to speak up for this because it's something I'm passionate about. It's something that needs change. It needs national attention. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. So right. I, I think it's just, it's really amazing to see how people are, you know, working up that courage to just speak out about situations like that. And I really hope that this does, like I said, act like act as a catalyst for change one day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and when you were just saying that, one thing that just popped in my mind um, is how fortunate and how lucky, like the women's basketball, not lucky, but how fortunate we are to have a university that really values the men and the women's basketball programs, um, really all women's sports, I think, um, because um, I have friends that played Division One basketball elsewhere, elsewhere and the differences between the men's and the women's locker rooms are really, really shocking. And at Oklahoma State, we have some of the best locker rooms in the country on the men's and women's side. Um, and so I think that that's just a 
a, an, a good thing to say about what Oklahoma State has been able to do is they've really valued their women's sports as well. Yeah, I think Oklahoma also does. But, you know, that's that's a little bit of a bias for me. But no, um, they do speak up on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, just no, sorry. That was just mainly a joke. But I mean, like, I, I just know that um, everyone is so super proud of the OU softball team and the OU gymnastics team. And mm-hmm. I just hope that the, the women's soccer team and then the women's basketball team can start to get a little bit of traction. I'm sure you guys heard about, you know, Sherry Cole deciding to retire. So we'll see where the program goes from there. But you talk so well about how much Oklahoma State values their women's athletes. And I think that that's amazing. I just wanted to ask you if there were like what you wanted to say about any other fantastic memories you had while in college, like your best memories with the team and with your coaches. Um, my best memory might be going to the Sweet 16. That was a memory that I'll be able to carry with me for the rest of my life. Um, that that and when we went to Puerto Rico. <laughs> oh yeah, they were both easy pretty, money both up there. <laughs> But yeah, I, de- I definitely would say I have a lot of really good memories with my teammates because we were all really close and we were all really goofy and funny. Um, but definitely Sweet 16, that was one of the peaks of my college career. And it sucks that it was at the beginning, um, but it was really memorable. And um, it's something that I'll always be able to say is I went to the Sweet 16 and um, I was able to not only, you know, play with the best, play with the best, but play amongst, against the best. Okay. Let me, let me say that again. I was not <laughs> only able <laughs> to play with the best, but I was able to play against the best. Um, and so that was really exciting for me. And I definitely think that's one of my most memorable moments is the sweet 16. Oh girl, same. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> cool enough or talented enough to be on the basketball team, but I got to spend like a week and a half in Indiana with you guys and it was yeah. so fun and I loved every minute of it. Like it was, it's such an honor just to see, you know, back then when I was in college, it was such an honor to see you guys prosper and do so well. And now, you know, Christine and I are both out of college and it's so cool to see both like OSU, both OU and just different teams around the state, especially and even, you know, branching out to neighboring states, it's just so great to see the success of all these young college athletes as they're putting in the work and they're overcoming obstacles. I think that it just speaks volume. So I love all of that. And I think that it's just so great that, you know, all of this is happening and people are really having a positive spotlight on women's basketball, on men's basketball. And I think that everything is just, you know, it's, it's evolving. We're in yeah. a very evolving world right now. So it's good stuff, but Diana, we're kind of wrapping things up here in a little bit. And I kind of wanted to know, you know, you're, you spent four years at Oklahoma state and now you are out in the world, just doing incredible things. And so how do you feel you were able to use your platform, whether it was when you were still playing college basketball or now that you're out of college, how do you feel you were able to use your platform to encourage and empower other women who are either going through collegiate sports or they're just out in the world doing great stuff? Um, I, I like to make my social media account super positive and super encouraging. Um, I have a lot of friends that played college basketball and other college sports like soccer and softball. Um, and now they're coaching. And so I am always shouting out all the women that are 
in sports and making their voices heard in sports and really doing great things. Um, one of the things that I've always tried to be pretty vocal about is the disparities in coaching and head coaches. Um, I mean, it's a woman's sport and a lot of women don't get the opportunity to be head coaches of a woman's sport. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, um, of course, I was coached by an awesome man, uh, Coach Latell. He was great. But I still feel like women should have opportunities to lead programs and to do great things with the sport that they've loved for so long. And so I've always been really vocal about that, about getting more women into coaching because we have enough men in other parts of the world. <laughs> we need women in women's basketball. Like we do, we need people to speak lives, speak life into these athletes and to these young girls and to encourage them and not discourage them from loving the sport that they do. Um, and it's easier to imagine yourself as a coach when you can see a coach that looks like you or a coach that's a woman like you, a coach that's balancing family and coaching or balancing being just newly married and coaching. Um, and we don't really get to see that a lot. And so that's something that I am super passionate about. I love that. That's how you use your platform, Diana. Honestly, like I didn't, like I didn't expect an answer to that question, but that was somehow the perfect answer. And I just feel so happy that you're out there encouraging other women and other people to really try and go for those positions that, you know, might seem a little bit unattainable for them, but could end up fitting them perfectly. And they're able to lead other women in a fantastic way. So that's honestly just so amazing. But before we let you get out of here, we always kind of leave a spot for all of our guests to get a message out there in the world that they feel like needs to be heard. So I'll just let you take the floor. Um, one thing that I feel like the world needs to hear um, is that women's basketball is it's basketball. The only people that talk mess about women's basketball are people that don't play basketball. I've never heard a men's basketball player, a professional men's basketball player, a high school or college men's basketball player talk mess about women's basketball or try to downplay it or try to act like they're not deserving of the same things as men. Um, it's always people that did not make their seventh grade basketball team that are the <laughs> loudest people on, on social media. It's crazy to me. I'm like, I am not even going to entertain you because I can't take you seriously because you haven't played basketball since Little League. Um, it's, but the people, the, the men's, I mean, you've seen LeBron, Steph Curry, um, Clay Thompson, you've seen them all come out and talk about women's basketball and, um, they talk and in support of, and they train with women. Um, they train with some of the pros in their areas. So women's basketball is a force and I am so proud of all the girls out there doing what they're doing right now. And, um, I'm, I saw a really interesting statistic the other day on Twitter that was basically breaking down um, if you were to monetize the NL NLIs of the student athletes that are in the Elite Eight uh, on the men's and women's side, um, the top eight, the top four most followed individuals that are in the Elite Eight right now are women's basketball. Um, like Paige Buckers has like almost 800,000 Instagram followers. And then there's like Jada Owens with like five or 600,000 Instagram followers. Like the top most followed 
basketball players that were in the elite eight on the men's and women's sides were women. Um, and that just shows that people want to see the sport. People want to see the players. Um, we always get this, this, the same story about, oh, nobody, wa nobody will watch it. But it's hard to watch women's basketball when they're not showing it. Um, so I just wanted to say that I am super proud of all the athletes on on the woman's side playing whatever sport that they love um, and dominating and doing it well and being proud and being students and being mothers and being friends. And I'm just super proud of all of them. And I hope that they continue to do great things. I'm getting emotional. That was amazing. <laughs> you're really, so I'm awesome. like, because I'm right there with you. I'm like, if you are not watching Women's March Madness right now, you are missing like, what are you out. Doing? Yeah, literally. What are you doing? Like, I'm pretty sure the final four for men is going to be number one seed, number one seed, number one seed, number two seed. Like, okay, yeah. that's predictable. Yeah. Who cares? Like, go to the women because those games are close. Yeah. And they're exciting. They're, exciting. they're so exciting. I, I could go off because the Baylor-UConn, I mean, first of all, the Baylor, who did <laughs> who did Baylor play before UConn? I was watching that game and that game was electric too. Oh, uh, was it? I'm so sorry. I'm blanking on this. It's my bad. But no, the game I watched that game too and the game before that they were freaking getting it and I was like let's go oh, and I was, I was tweeting about it too because I was on like the stairmaster in the gym watching this game like going ham people thought I was crazy so. <laughs> no I love that Diana we always we also want to like give you just an opportunity to plug yourself just where can people follow you and see all the great stuff that you put out and how you use your platform oh okay well follow me on twitter at Diana Omozi. D-I-A-N-A-O-M-O-Z-E-E. -E. Um, and the same on Instagram, Diana Omozi. Um, I'm always posting really, I mean, either funny or like heart, heart touching stuff on Instagram. And then on Twitter, I'm retweeting um, and talking about whatever's going on in the world and um, trying to bring light to different situations uh, across the globe, um, but primarily with women. And I love what y'all are doing. This podcast is amazing, and I love that y'all are using this to showcase other badass women like y'all, and I'm super proud of y'all, and I love what y'all are, like, this is so awesome, and I can't wait to hear and listen more, and yeah, y'all are awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Diana. Now I'm going to go cry. Thank you, Diana. <laughs> you're so awesome. And I'm so excited that we got to have you on. So again, thank you so, so much. And thank you for just being a voice of reason out there. Thank you for being fearless. And thank you for always using your platform for good to seek out the change in this crazy world. So you are awesome. Christine, you are awesome. Killed oh. it on this podcast. I'm so glad that we got to do this. Madison, and you are awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> but next week, you're going to have another awesome episode. I believe Christine and I will be breaking down the women's final four in March Madness. <laughs> <laughs>